this is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new fear, along with special guests, surprises, and discoveries along the way. As always, I'm Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And Jeff, Jeff, uh, today I am hungry for knowledge. Ooh. Come to the right place, and together we get to uh, uh, dine on the uh, important subject that uh, we are here on this podcast to discuss, which is fear of weight. Uh, so, before we get into the subject as well, I want to um, put out a trigger warning as well. Uh, so, trigger and content warning: this podcast will mention numbers, weights, diet, and reference to BMI and obesity. This may be a trigger for those with a history of eating disorders, uh, disordered eating and body dysmorphia, and other related struggles. So I just wanted to let people know that before we get into it. Wonderful. Uh, uh, now, I'm here to uh, uh, talk about our subject. We're very glad to be joined by one of our uh, uh, guests who has been on the Fair Science before. We're very glad to have her back with us. Our special guest is a registered dietitian in British Columbia. She's a non-diet and weight-inclusive dietitian who works with everyone who identifies as a female who is ready to give up dieting and reclaim their body worth and value through intuitive eating and health at every size. She does this through virtual group and one-on-one counseling and coaching. Find out more at NutraFoodie.ca. Please welcome Crystal Mubarak. Yay! Hi! <laughs> I feel like I should give like an applause just for the effect. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. You're very welcome. Uh, Crystal, now, uh, before we dive into the subject, you know, uh, uh, we're uh, very glad to have you join us. How are you doing? How are things? Thank you for asking. This year has been, you know, I was asking like, what are the top three words that come to my mind when I think of 2020? And it's kind of like this juxtaposition where you're like, oh, well, it was exhausting, but I also rested. I was really challenged, but I also got to be creative. I, you know, and so then there's a lot of those mixed feelings. And I am seeing 2021 being a year where it's hopefully going to be a better one that's going to we're going to be able to see the fruition of what we've learned in 2020 so i'm doing better than i anticipated (laughs) and i am looking forward to what this year is going to bring wonderful 2021 we're gonna emerge from the cocoon that was 2020 yeah like a butterfly yeah beautiful and amazing i think we did that Absolutely. Now, Crystal, um, you know, I, I like that word that you use, learn. And, uh, you know, what I love about doing this podcast is that we get to learn with, with everyone. Now, Jeff, um, you know, this uh, uh, this subject, we, you know, why do you feel that this subject, fear of weight, is, uh, you know, still so timely and still so, you know, uh, uh, of interest to listeners and to people who may be going through, you know, uh, the things that 
that they may be going through. Yeah, I, I think this is an episode we could do like once a year. There's just so much to talk about. And I think in the first episode uh, way back a year ago. Um, That's I right. Think... It, uh, sorry, sorry, Jeff, just to interject. Is this is this our first two episodes? Yeah, this is our first part two. What's wow. Up? Wow. Crystal, I, I am so excited. Crystal, thank you very much for being our number one two. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah, yeah. 58 episodes and number two. Wow. Now, uh, sorry, Jeff, please continue. Yeah, what uh, what inspired you, what inspired us to do to uh, revisit the subject? Yeah, I think in the, the first one, we did a, a really good job of, of looking at weight from a societal point of view, uh, more of a, a macro. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to bring Crystal back on uh, because we we touched on it a little bit in the first one, but we didn't get much of a chance to really dive into the uh, personal and and mental side of weight loss, which is I think something that we we tend to skip over a lot when people talk about weight loss or, or talk about nutrition. Uh, we always talk about the fad diets. We talk about um, you know what workouts you're doing, what fasting you're doing, all that. But no one really talks about the mental health you're going through when you're going through a diet. Right. Thanks. And uh, and so for yourself, Crystal, um, you, you know, uh, again, thanks very much for, for joining us here. Uh, you know, maybe it, diving right into, you know, the big question that, that you asked, Jeff, but yeah. when it comes to when it comes to weight loss, how much of it is mental? How, you know, how mm-hmm. much of it is? does involve our our not only our mental acuity but also our maybe our mental health yes i always talk about this and try to bring in the perspective it's a different perspective and i have to say that i'm not here to make anyone feel bad about their bodies or more negative about their weight in any shape way or form what i am here to to talk about and to um discuss and promote and encourage is to think of your body in a way that is more holistic and more of looking at the big picture and at the full picture because when we focus on weight then it does become a mental health issue it becomes less of a health issue most of the time when someone is talking about weight loss they talk about it as though they're pursuing it for health but when you dive in it's always about body image and your body image and your mental health and your confidence and your self-esteem doesn't really heal just from weight loss so if that was true we wouldn't have everyone who was in a smaller body having the same struggles as those in bigger bodies and um, I think that that brings a lot of perspective into what we should put in the forefront. If you do want to improve your health, you can pursue a lot of different health behaviors that literally have nothing to do with weight and may or may not change your weight. Just because you eat salad or vegetables or exercise doesn't mean that you're going to lose weight. But then if that's your only measurement of success, then that is going to destroy your mental health because you will do everything and anything to focus on that number instead of the actual overall outcome for your health. <laughs> there are numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell Daniel about the numbers. Oh, uh, <laughs> now, now, wait, wait. So, uh, uh, is now, you know, uh, playing, uh, playing 
an advocate of a sort. Uh, are the, you know, the only numbers that matter are the one on the scale, right? right? <laughs> I think we have a big conversation to have. Oh, no. <laughs> to this one, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so if we were to think just about what is showing up on the scale, and to put it in blatant terms, like all that's measuring is your mass of your body on earth and the pull of gravity. Like that's literally what weight is in terms of a formula. So if you were to think of that equating into health, that would make it seem like a little bit ridiculous because you're not looking at how you are living your life. You're just looking at the snapshot in time, what your body, how much space your body takes up on earth instead of what you're actually doing and how you're actually living. And how you're feeling and your stress and your sleep and your, you know, it's like a lot more detailed than just the weight. And if we were all on the moon, it'd be a totally different conversation as it's well. True. So, you know, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's true. Like, and, and so I'm kind of in the last episode, I talked about how I was about to embark on a personal journey of trying to lose weight. Uh, and a year later, um, I'm still on that journey, uh, largely because uh, COVID happened. Uh, so that journey got uh, stopped very quickly. Um, but, you know, also I've had a lot of kind of mental health um, trying to figure out how to do it from a positive place rather than a negative place um, and how to track numbers, but not become obsessed with numbers. That is my biggest thing when it comes to weight loss. Yeah. Um, you want to know how you're doing, but you don't want to, it's like, it's like paying attention to the amount of people who download the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I want to know that information, but on the other hand, it's not that important. And so I mean, to follow on that note that you were saying, Jeff, is, is, fo- is that number. And if we were to challenge this, this approach and just say, okay, what would I do if I was to do something long-term, what would I do or what would I stop doing if it wasn't for that number? So if it wasn't for this number, what would I do? So overall, maybe, okay, I need to improve my gut health. So I need to have some more fiber and fruits and vegetables, or I'm not, I'm always hungry. So I need to eat more. And so then you'll be abandoning eating less because you'll be like, I need to actually eat sufficiently. So I'm not hungry all the time. And then being, you know, in that place where I just want to eat everything and anything in my way and, you know. And so then that will drive your decisions that will be long-term and will be better for your mental health because you're doing it to improve your overall health and not just a number. And that will change a lot. So if you dissociate your success from the number and find new places or ways to define your success, things will change greatly for you. And it will be a long-term solution. And next year, when we record another podcast in January, it will be a different conversation. Yes. <laughs> well, and and you know, this time around, um, I'm I'm kind of a a, a serial dieter. Um, I've in my entire life, I've I've been large, and yeah. I've always been on some kind of like trying to to lose weight in some way. Um, but you know, this time around. I'm I'm trying to pay more attention to my body itself mm-hmm. um, and just being like, oh, my shirts are feeling looser. 
and that's kind of my my guide for success i've got a couple shirts i bought like a year ago that that are a little too tight and that's my goal to to fit those shirts again (laughs) not even again for the first time i've never fit them so finding that rather than being like i want this exact number like i have the number as a goal uh eventually um but you know thinking it in the long term that's that's the hard part i find it is hard it's definitely hard i would never say it's an easy journey but i think if you were to think of the long-term cycling if you were to do the exact same thing every single year i feel like that's harder so that yeah looking at what you don't want is to keep feeling like you're always failing and restarting, failing and restarting. So what can you do in the big picture in order to change things forever that will always be true, not things that are needing to be restarted every year? Now, uh, in your, you know, uh, in your work as a non-diet and a weight-inclusive dietitian, um, you know, does does that ever come at odds with when people come to you and they have their own internalized uh, ideas of what of what dieting should be, of what of what a healthy eating habit should be? You know, we all have our own internalized uh, ideas of of food and eating from our parents and from our backgrounds and yes. from the world around us, what we see on TV. Uh, you know when when people come to you with these things you know how um what is the first thing that you do to try and uh you know um carefully guide them towards something healthier yes i hear you yeah that's a very good question so i i do have to say that um generally i i Uh, in counseling in one-on-one counseling i don't work with people who want me to convince them that this is a better solution for them i work with people that come to me and say you know what i am done doing this i've spent 20 30 40 50 years i have clients that have spent 50 years doing the dieting with the restricted binge cycles you know every single year every single january every new monday you know all of the same experiences saying i've done this over and over and over for this many years and i'm done and so those are the clients that i work with in counseling however there's plenty of information that i share on my social media like instagram and my blogs that helps my clients or my followers and audience to kind of start doing some more self-exploration and finding out what is it that they want in their life what what are they losing other than weight mm-hmm. when we're focusing on the weight loss what else are we losing in our bodies What else are we losing in our lives, in our relationships, in our um, mental health? How is that being affected? And so when we're looking at this picture and we put those on paper, that changes everything. And for me, it certainly did. Because I remember I had this crossroad between I either stop being a dietitian or I heal my relationship with my body. And so I remember going to counseling myself because I kept being asked, what do you, why are you different than other dietitians? Why should someone see you than seeing someone else? And I kept saying like, I don't know. I just want people to enjoy their food. Like what kind of question is this? Why? Like just, you know, just good food. And then I kept asking myself, 
And after about five whys, I got to the answer of, I don't want another child or anyone to be hiding in a pantry trying to eat food out of guilt and shame and were too embarrassed for others to see them eat. And that was my experience as a child. And I've lived my whole life doing that. And I was ready to stop doing that. So I went and saw a counselor myself. I did the work. I changed and I was able to heal that part. And then I put forward, what is it that I want out of my life? What do I want to live for other than weight loss and pleasing other people? Now, that is hard. It's a hard thing to get to because we have to love ourselves more than we love pleasing others. And getting that, grasping that idea is very hard to put into play when we are very focused on one thing. Now, I have to say before I move forward with this is it doesn't mean that someone making peace with their body and having more freedom with their food choices, it doesn't mean that they're going to gain weight. Some people might, some people might stay the same and some people might actually lose weight. But the point of this is not to focus on the number and focus on the experience and your building that, bridging that gap between your physical health and mental health instead of just yeah. focusing on that physical health with food and exercise. Right. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Um, is there a, you know, cause so speak, you know, speaking for myself, uh, I love food so much. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, if, if food didn't want me to eat it, why does it taste so good? Um, <laughs> it does want you to eat it and enjoy it. <laughs> Now, you know, I, I will, you know, to, to share a bit of my own experience, um, you know, I too, uh, like so many, um, I too go through, you know, days and weeks and months and years of being like, man, I've got to eat better. I, I, I should eat better. I need to lose weight. I should lose weight. Um, and, and, but, you know, for some reason, uh, there, I found myself at times when I'm at the grocery store and I'm getting the fruit and I'm getting the, the, the veggies and I'm getting the salad that, yes, does get green and mildewy in like three days. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I also do find myself at, at the snack aisle and I just pick up a, a snack. And, you know, there are many reasons why I do it. Man, I've worked super hard this week. I deserve a treat. Um, I wow, I've got some relaxing coming up next week. I deserve a treat. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and I tell myself, <laughs> I tell myself every week when I go to the store that I'm just gonna get my staples and and healthy and nutritious stuff. But yet, for some reason, for some reason, uh, I find myself back at the snack aisle almost subconsciously and. The next thing you know, I'm in my car and there's like a bag of chips and some chocolate. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yes, I I mean, I, I bet that's a common experience with everyone that is listening. But the difference um, that you will find when you make peace with these foods is not calling them good and bad foods, healthy and unhealthy right. foods. And when you make, gotta go hug a bag of chips. <laughs> I know. And the thing that will be different when you do create that peaceful relationship with those foods and give yourself permission to eat them is there's no judgment. 
So that judgment is removed. Now you don't judge yourself when you're eating a cucumber, but you probably don't want the cucumber in the same way that you want a chips. And it, it's not about just the big so food right. companies. Yeah, it doesn't mean that these big food companies just to blame them and you should avoid these foods. It's more so that they all have a different purpose. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to turn a bag of chips into a salad, although you could crunch it up onto like a burrito bowl, you know, that would be delicious, like tortilla chips, but it doesn't replace those foods. So by working with me or working on your relationship with food and through intuitive eating, um, what you are doing is you're creating peace with these foods first. And then you're not making them a moral war. It's not that you're a better person for eating a salad versus you're a horrible person for eating that chips. So the conversation you have with yourself is the worst. So that's what we need to eliminate first. Yeah. For me as well, it's been kind of trying to understand um, the, like what, what food is, I want to say good and bad, but I'm trying to stop myself from saying good and bad now. I feel you. But, you know, what what food is nutritious for me and what food is less nutritious? Um, yeah. And and realizing that if I deprive myself too much of that non-nutritious uh, food, for me, it's Doritos. I got to have I got to have my zesty Doritos. Yeah. If I deprive myself of Doritos for too long. I'm just, my brain just snaps and then I eat an entire bag of it. Yeah. Uh, so what I've been doing instead is giving myself small bowls of Doritos every once in a while when I'm, you know, watching a movie or, you know, I've had a great day or having a crap day because food is attached to emotions for me. So, yeah. you know, I've got to give myself a reward or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I've been finding it's been helping a little bit. So that's good. I love that you mentioned that it's connected to our emotions. And I think the first idea that a lot of listeners or a lot of people will have is that food should not be emotional and it shouldn't be, a, you know, something that we enjoy. And I don't know why. Why do you not want to enjoy your food? <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to. Food that you enjoy and that you eat on a regular basis shouldn't just be things like chips and pizza, but also to, if you don't like a salad, eat cooked vegetables. Why are you yeah, fighting yeah. with yourself to like? Oh, I can't stand salad. Food, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like my partner and I, um, for our anniversary every year, we go to our favorite restaurant, um, and it it specializes in that umami flavor, and we both love that like salty umami flavor. Yeah. Um, and we'll get a nice big, usually pretty expensive meal. And then we just sit and we just like take three hours to eat that meal. Wow. And that. it's just a beautiful experience every year. Yeah. And savoring that, you probably taste it more. And this is one of yeah. those experiments that I do with my clients to explore their food rules, the things that they have not let themselves eat and how they've responded to the situations with these foods because they are comfort. A lot of foods are comfort. But then the, there's a difference between um, feeling like really bad about what you're going through and eating everything in the cupboard and then also recognizing I'm sad, I'm lonely, identifying yeah. the specific emotion. 
and saying, if I'm lonely, I need people or I need to connect with this person mm. or, and also that might mean that you're going to eat a bowl of ramen and that's self-care and mental health, taking care of your mental health that, that evening. Or like for me, one of, I have a list of things that I know that I go for when I'm having a shitty day. <laughs> and mm. so I know that those are my self-care items. And part of those are some beverages or food that could be on there like I love having a good cup of cocoa or latte when I'm having an like an anxious filled afternoon I love putting my aromatherapy taking deep breaths or dancing you know but you want to know exactly what you need if you're angry a cup of cocoa is not going to calm you down if you're angry yeah. you need to get that out of your system through writing through punching through chopping through you know you have to do something with your physical body to get it out through your limbs so that's not going to be fixed by meditating and being in a bath you know what i mean so first yeah. we have to identify the emotion and second we have to respond to the emotion not just react i remember this one time i had a client that she was going through a really, really rough time. And she emailed me. We jumped on a call. We're like, okay, let's talk about what's going on. She's like, I just want to go to Costco and eat everything under the sun. I want to order like the big tuxedo cake and this food and that food and this and this and this and that. And she listed all these things. And I was like, okay, how are you feeling? And then we talked about the feelings. We talked about responding to the feelings, what she actually needs to respond to them. And the one food she did want to have was the tuxedo cake. So we talked about yeah. how to have it. We're like, okay, grab it, cut your little piece, and actually sit there and enjoy it. And thank this yeah. piece of cake for making you feel comfort in this really terrible time for you. And she yeah. did that. She sliced the rest of the cake and she froze the rest of the cake. And then for other times when she was stressed, she might have a piece of cake, but she'll also go for a walk and she'll also call a friend and she'll also do this and that. And so it's just learning how to take care of ourselves is the self-care and coping mechanisms. Food can be part of it. It's just not the only coping mechanism. Yeah, I've noticed that as well with my uh, small bowl of Doritos is that I've I've enjoyed the the flavor and the experience of it so much more than when I would sit down every couple days and eat an entire giant bag of Doritos. Um, but yeah, and I I think as well like part of the struggle that I have with um, with all of these these diets or uh, weight loss plans or anything online is that it never talks about emotions and never talks about mental health. Um, and for me, and for a lot of people who have gone have had issues with their weight throughout their life, it's in a very emotional journey. There's especially the first like, two to three weeks of trying to eat better. It is an insane roller coaster for me of just ups and downs. And like, you know, I, I told my partner, I was like, I'm probably gonna be pretty angry for the first week. Because I there's just so many things that are coming up for me. Um, but, you know, it's, it's trying to realize that's what's happening and being aware and being more connected to yourself in a way. Is that right? Yeah. And to be fair, also when you're eating less, which that's what you would normally do for weight loss is eating less. A lot of people do that is you're having less 
physical energy. You're having less fuel that is going into your system and your body has to figure out how to keep you alive while you're doing that. And what's really right. interesting here is the longer that we do this and the more that we do diet cycles and weight loss cycles, the more our body has to work harder to keep us alive. And when we gain weight, we feel like we failed, but that's your body's protective mechanism because your body has no idea that you're not stranded in the desert in comparison to you just wanting to have extra food, you know? Like you right. doesn't know the difference between you being in a desert or you going on an intentional starvation diet or weight loss diet or whatever it is um, in order to cause that. So it is very important to take it. If you, if you are a person who is not ready to give up dieting and still feel like this is important to you, I would first and foremost recommend to take this very, very, very slow. Any su significant changes or really big changes will likely revert back and you it will cause more harm in the long term. So it's much better. And to be fair, like we don't actually have research that shows success of weight loss for long term. Like when you see long term studies, like they consider six months long term. Six months is right. not long term, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we need something that's showing us more than five years. And we know that a, a huge percentage, there's different percentages in research between 80% to 95%. So it varies greatly depending on the focus um, that between 80% to 95% of people will gain the weight back. So instead, I would recommend to focus on slowly changing specific habits that you have found that, you, right. that would cause weight increase in your weight, if that is something that's a focus to you. And what most people don't talk about is sleep and stress. And I think mm -hmm. that when you look at 2020, <laughs> we were stress balls, like we were all <laughs> stressed. And most yeah. of us would have gained weight less about food and how much weight and more because we were so stressed. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's this pyramid. And the bottom one is physiological needs. And that's food and rest. And the second one is safety needs. And that's your security and your safety. Both of those basic needs were broken. And if the yeah. bottom of the pyramid is broken, everything else is going to fall apart. So we needed a lot more validation and support and and trying to have this comfort from the one thing that is consistent, which is food, you know, that you can have on a regular basis and your body system trying to calm it down when it's under so much stress and anxiety. And I can talk a lot about stress and how that in itself will increase your weight. It's just by being stressed. Wow. Oh, no. Yeah. I have so much of that, too. Yeah. Luckily, I have no stress in my life ever. So that's a plus. <laughs> no anxiety ever. No stress. No. No. <laughs> 2020 has been was great. No problem. <laughs> 2020 was great. I've never heard that statement before. <laughs> that's the only voice recording ever of anyone yes. saying that. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Crystal, in your... Uh, uh, I was wondering if you can... You know, speak to this a little bit. Uh, you know, um, do you when people, you know, reach out to you, uh, do you find that different people need different things in terms of, you know, you offer both group virtual group counseling and then also one on one. Um, do they serve different needs? Do they serve 
different types of people who are needing diet uh, dietitian assistance. Yeah, how does that work? Very, very good question. So my one-on-one counseling is mainly beneficial for people who have had um, a lot of trauma or medical nutrition therapy that is required, and I can only serve those who are in British Columbia. Um, but for group coaching, I'm able to support anyone from anywhere and everywhere because it's more focused on intuitive eating and body image. And so with those, there's no medical nutrition therapy. And in that way, I'm able to support more people in a bigger way. And the benefit of group coaching is that you have more regular support. It's not just a one-off session that you have, you know. And so you have more regular support. We have monthly calls. We have a Facebook group. We have... Um, uh, the online course with a whole lot of modules. There's a lot of worksheets and, there, you know, there's a lot more guidance and support when it comes to group settings. And right. so I'm really, I love my group. I love how I get to support them. And um, that's a big part of it. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Now, uh, you, you know, I, I'm really glad that we are able to talk about this you know jeff my friend i'm glad that you are, are open about your journey and i'm glad that i can be open about mine as well um but you know i i i've definitely gone through periods of my life where you know there is there is some shame and by some i mean a lot of shame when it comes to you know weight and eating and you know you you mentioned earlier you know a, a person hiding in the pantry because they didn't want people to see. But also, you know, I think that, you know, there is also some shame to even be on this journey of, of weight, weight loss, diets, dieting, um, you know, and sometimes people don't know how to reach out for help or even tell some of their closest friends or even their, their life partners that they're going through this. Uh, so, I, Crystal, what would you say anyone listening you know who is you know going through this and is feeling a lot of fear and shame uh, about their weight and their weight journey how what would you say to at the very baseline level try to assist them through this podcast yes the first and honestly i feel like if you take nothing else from this podcast except this i would say don't be afraid of asking for help be afraid of what's going to happen if you don't. Right. Right. And so if we continue on with going the same path that you're going right now, what is it that you're losing in your life that means a lot to you? What do you want people to remember of you? Like, do you want people to just remember how much you missed out on social gatherings because they, you can't control the food that's coming out of the restaurant or someone that's preparing for you? Or do you want to miss out on um, being there for your friends because you have to go to the gym that night and you must um, get in two hours and do you want to miss out on time with your kids or your family? Or do you want to miss out on enjoying yourself at the beach and the pool and be afraid of being in pictures? Like in the end of the day, like when you're on your deathbed, 
no one is going to remember what you weighed. No one's going to say, oh, she was so great. She fit into a size six pants. That was the best thing she's ever done in her life. Like, that is not what I'm going to be remembered for. I want to be remembered for my generosity, for my love for people, for how much mm -hmm. I'm there for them, for how much I'm able to be present, be a good listener. Um, be a great cook and enjoy the food and bring people together and be smart and intellectual and um, inquisitive and creative. I want to be remembered for being adventurous and being excited to travel and to go places, not for being at home upset about my having to buy a bigger jeans, you know? So yeah. I think that once we put what we want into focus, we'll be able to remove those other things. Um, that stop us from getting there. So I would just leave everyone to remember and to ruminate over this one thought. It's like, what are you afraid of missing out on? And what are you, what are you, what is going to happen if you keep doing the same thing? Yeah, that's such great advice. Like, uh, you know, for me, the part of the thing that kind of triggered me wanting to lose weight was that uh, I was getting winded getting off the couch. Um, and I was like, you know, I really want to get back into doing some like nature photography, you know, doing hikes, going on walks. My partner loves going on walks, but I have trouble, you know, having the energy to continue going on one and I'd love to go on longer hikes. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been my, my goal, but I, it's, it's nice to frame it that way because like we've said, uh, multiple times before, I feel like you're just looking at that number or you're just looking at that pant size or you're just like these these uh, more concrete goals rather than lifestyle goals. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. And um, it puts things into perspective, like you said. But just like you said, with I want to go on hikes and I want to do photography, like with with those, those are actions. That's what you're actually doing versus mm -hmm. weight is an outcome. So focus on the actual action and the behavior, and that will lead you to where you want to be because it doesn't mean that only thin people or smaller people can go on hikes. It's, you yeah. know, it's practicing too. Like you want to, there's a ton of people who are in thinner bodies and I can show you proof from a lot of diet food records that I've learned from people or their lifestyle that they look small, but they have the, the behaviors of someone who does need to change their behaviors. It's not just about the outcome of um, that number, but more so the outcome of what you want to experience. So the actual behavior and, and the movement and the what you're actually doing, the action plan, that that is where your focus should be. Yeah, wow. we've also learned during the pandemic that people who go on hikes aren't necessarily equipped to go on hikes, even if they're really fit, because the helicopters come in and have to rescue them. Yes. <laughs> now, um, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I'm also curious about, you know, I mean, I think there's a reason why, you know, the the weight loss industry is so huge. And, you know, uh, uh, magazines, all the magazines at the checkout counter are all about celebrities gaining weight, losing weight. Um, you know, to, to that come to mind, uh, two of some of my favorite stars, uh, if either of these stars are listening, please come on the podcast. Have you got my email? <laughs> 
Um, but you know, uh, recently, uh, in recent memory, you know, in terms of weight loss and people's images, there was uh, Adele, Adele, uh, who you know uh, lost a bunch of weight, and and there were you know people on social media commenting on it in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And also um, similar is Rebel Wilson, a talented comedian, uh, actress, uh, and she also lost uh, a lot of weight. And again, a lot of people were making lots of just comments. And again, a lot positive, but also a lot negative and also just a lot snide. And, yeah. you know, is there, I mean, what why? Uh, <laughs> Your question why? is why? why? Yeah, no, I, I get you. And you know, let me let me start by saying is that a lot of people in bigger bodies and fat bodies, just like us being here on the podcast, and I use the word fat in a neutral as a neutral descriptor. It is not a, a derogatory term. Um, I, I'm using it to claim it back as a neutral term. And so um People in fat bodies, they are not people to be put down. But unfortunately, that's where currently where we are in the world right now. That's not how they feel. And they get hurt all the time. They get shamed all the time. They're in the public eye all the time. But what a lot of us don't see is how much money they can spend on this stuff and how much time. Like right. they, have, they have a lot more flexibility with that stuff that we can't if we have to work work eight hours a day and they can exercise three hours a day what are you gonna do after doing that you know like if you take let's say and and on average a lot of people spend between 30 minutes to 45 minutes on their way to work and back so that's an hour and a half right and then you work for eight hours so then what is that nine and a half hours ten hours of your day and then you come home you have to relax, you have to cook, you have to eat, you have to shower, <laughs> you have to sleep another eight hours. Like, where's the time going? And do you know? Do you? <laughs> do you? Do you? Yeah. Well, and there was actually... Um... has such a big impact on the body. So by how much us regular folks have to do in our lives, you know, unless you change your priorities in your life altogether and you um, remove a lot of things that you would otherwise do for your overall health and you only focus on doing these other things, then that might make make a difference in terms of um, what you're able to access, right? And so then accessibility is a big issue. Now, the second thing that I want to say is a lot of times people feel like that's their revenge body. And I remember Khloe Kardashian made a, um, a show about her revenge body. And I have to say, she has like nannies and housekeepers and everyone yeah. take care of everything else for her and surgeries and, and, and a million things. And then these little girls are observing this person. And seeing the kind of comments that they get, that now they get positive affirmations for that change in their body and their look when that is not natural to them. And she called that a revenge body, but that confused me so much because that's not revenge, that's submission. You're doing exactly what the world wanted you to do. And you got there and you called it a revenge. Like that is not revenge, you know? Revenge would be for you to actually change how people think about that and how they approach it. And we only take take things negatively and take things to heart 
when we already believed that about ourselves. So like now, if someone says, oh, you're fat, they're like, yeah, so <laughs> like, mm. what's your point? Do you have another point to make here? But then if they feel that as a derogatory thing for themselves, then they will feel like that's going to be offending me or whatever it is. So then if yeah. we don't take, um, if we don't already believe that ourselves, that will not hurt us. Um, because it's not something that will carry. So it's like someone, if I'm, if I'm a tall person and someone came up to me and said, you're short and you'll be like, what? No, like, <laughs> and how so, did you know? How, <laughs> what? <laughs> and so yeah. then it just doesn't, you know, compute for you. You're like, this doesn't make sense to me. And so, um, we realize that a lot of the comments that we get and a lot of experiences that we have start with um, our, our first, our internal beliefs, our internal bias. And second, it's, it also starts with what we, and what we are taking in from our surroundings and allowing that to change our inner monologue or what we're saying to ourselves. So I would recommend for people to change their social media, clean it up, who are the voices that you're listening to? And when you are looking at yourself in the mirror, maybe stop saying negative things and start by saying neutral things. You don't have to start with self-love. Self-love is not about just how you look and whether you have roles or not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you got to so, stop following the Kardashians, first of all. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, Actually, one of um, but <laughs> <laughs> one of my, my favorite actors... Um, I'm going to say his name wrong. Kamal, Kamal Nijani. Um, Kumal Nanjani? Nanjani. Kumal, if you are listening to this, please come on the podcast. Please come on the show. Um, <laughs> Everything's just an invite for celebrities. He, uh, he's from one of my favorite shows, Silicon Valley. Um, but he lost a whole bunch of weight and got uh, really fit um, for a, an action movie that he was in. And he posted a picture of himself online. But when he posted it, um, he wrote alongside it um, about the privilege that he had. The fact that he had a personal trainer that the studio paid for, um, that he spent six months straight every single day focusing on losing weight and and getting fit for the role. Um, and he said, you know, he's very proud of what he did. But if it wasn't for his privilege um, of being an actor, he he wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, yeah. So I like that kind of interesting take on it because yeah, you, you always see these actors that are doing some kind of method acting where they're gaining 400 pounds and then losing 900 pounds or something like that. And you're yeah. like, what? How? How yes. is that possible? And I you know. think you can do that too. I, um, yeah, I hear you. This is, it's very heavy for, for someone to do that. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. And that's what I always say is like, if you are really committed and you want to do this, you totally can, but just know what you are, what it's going to take and whether this is something that you're doing for temporary purposes or for long-term, but if you're doing it for health, that's what I normally say is like, we can do this differently. Um, yeah. and so what, um, I, I do wanted to say is, um, uh, I love that he brought 
awareness into this and and to put it out there and it's really interesting because whenever i speak to like anyone really like we're all mentally aware that people only post the best versions of themselves on instagram but realistically we still compare ourselves and when i say to other people it's like we have to stop comparing ourselves we have to stop because the we are comparing ourselves to someone else's highlight reel and we have no idea what's happening when the cameras are off. We have no idea when the doors are shut. Are they purging? Are they hurting themselves? Are they yeah. completely isolated? Are they depressed? Are they anxious all the time? Are they fighting with themselves to eat a small bowl of popcorn? Like what is, you know, what is actually happening behind closed doors? If you have no idea. So I first and foremost tell everyone to just focus on your experience and what you want to get out of this because everyone else is struggling. They're fighting their own battles. Everyone has their own battles that they're fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Empathy. Empathy. Yeah. Empathy. Just kind of understand yourself. Give empathy for yourself first. Absolutely. Passion. Yeah. Start there. Now, uh, uh, you know, as we head towards uh, the end of this episode, Crystal, thank you so much for for chatting with us uh i am very excited for fear of white part three uh, <laughs> wow um it, it, for you know uh uh for your clients who have been with you and have learned with you you know uh in who have been able to get to a place where they are more centered who do have a better relationship with food you know um what you know in that transformation, you know, what do you see in them and what do they see in themselves when they get to the next part in their journey with weight and with food? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I love that. Yeah. So a lot of times when I um, start working with clients, they come to me saying, I can't stop eating. I'm struggling so much. I hate my body. I hate everything about it. I'm so afraid of gaining weight. I want to improve my body image, but this is too scary. I'm I'm ashamed. I'm uh, eating with guilt. Everything is guilt. I have to eat less. I can't eat this and I can't eat that. So that's where they start. And then while we work together, we take one thing after the other. So we start, we, we work on prioritizing their main areas of focus and what's going to make the biggest difference for them. And we start working on one by one. So whether it's stress that is causing everything else, we start with stress or sleep or um, eating more regularly or um, eating more in your meals and making it more balanced in a way that is more satisfying. We talk about how our digestive system works. So we focus on the real stuff that matters. And we talk about also giving yourself compassion and allowing yourself to eat, giving yourself permission to eat and not judging yourself for eating these foods and feel attaching guilt and shame to them. So making, bringing freedom into the equation with your food choices. And, and then once we heal that relationship with food, we talk about gentle nutrition, but generally we focus on improving their relationship with food, rejecting diet culture, understanding their hunger and fullness, um, and then also learning coping mechanisms to when things are hard. It's like, how can you respond to things? Because there's a big difference between when you do one thing okay versus you are doing one thing that is not 
that is challenging you and you just pick yourself up and you move on instead of feeling mm. like I failed. I'm off the bandwagon. I have to start over. No, I have yeah. to start over because you're still alive. You didn't stop living or breathing. You just move on from where you are. The next time that you're eating or the next time that you wake up, you know, the next day, you're just like every day is you're making decisions all day long. You don't have to hurt yourself and have the right. screw it mentality or the all or nothing mentality. And then by the end of it, I love when they tell me one client, she had, she had dieted for 44 years, 44 True. years. And she came to me at the end and she goes like, who knew I needed to eat more. I had no idea. <laughs> and I love that because that changed all of the binging and emotional eating that she had went through and all the conversations she's had. And she's seen hundreds of, not hundreds, but dozens of health professionals. And everyone kept telling her she needed to lose weight and to eat less. And then I was like, you need to eat more in the day. And she, and she was like, whoa, that changed so much for me. I'm not <laughs> binging at night anymore. And we worked on these things step by step, wow. of course, but yeah, wow. we change wow. what matters to you the most. That's that is, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing, sharing that. You know, it's, yeah. um, I, I think what these, you know, I think what the, this discussion, you know, is doing, I think what the group discussion is doing, you know, uh, Jeff, again, you know, whenever we get a chance to to be open and vulnerable with each other, you, you know, both on and off the podcast is always great. I think it's, it's definitely that, uh, uh, it's that it goes back to that empathy and not only having empathy for other people going through the same journey, but also having that empathy for ourselves. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy this resonated with you. That's great. Thank oh you. yeah. I'm, I'm so glad we were able to, to dive into it more. And like I said before, like, I feel like we could do this episode every year and just <laughs> I'm learn more and more. Sign me up. <laughs> Recurring, I mean, yeah, no. every year. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, I'm a person, I guess. It's, uh, yes, we will. Uh, let's make it happen. Uh, <laughs> podcasting. Um, I love that. But for, for people who are listening to this episode and who are curious about finding out some more information for, for themselves. Uh, where can they learn more about your work, Crystal? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me. My website is Nutrifoodie.ca. And you can also find me on social media, Nutrifoodie underscore RD. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. So I hope to see you there. I share a lot of awesome information, tips, and, um, and educational information to help you maneuver your relationship with your food and your body. And hopefully we'll get you off of that bandwagon um, so that you can uh, start finding that freedom and peace. Thank you. And Jeff, for more information about Fear of Science, where can they find us? You can find us on the social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Science Fears. Uh, and then we also have a Patreon, too, if you want to support us that way. Wonderful. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, as always, uh, yes, be empathetic with each other and with your, yourselves. And until the next time we get to connect here on the podcast or out in the real world safely, my name is Daniel. And I'm Jeff. 
We're Fair of Science, and we'll chat again soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.